It's LOI Weekly Season 4, Episode 14. We have football to talk about, which to me is actually incredibly exciting. We have games to reflect on, predictions to get wrong. We have David McMillan in the house. He's going to join us for a Skype interview. We've interviews from Decky Devine and Gary Deegan, both colourful in their own right. Um, Helpfully, both of uh, the more victorious interviews, because Deck and Devine was speaking after... Derry's win at St. Patrick's. Gary Deegan was speaking after 10-man shells, went up to Finn Park and won. And that is another team we're going to talk about as well. Eight away victories, one home victory so far in both divisions. Uh, thanks to our new sponsors, Lotto Land. As ever, you'll find all the odds and special bets uh, in the rest of the SSE or Tristy Premier League division season. Uh, they were taken on Dundalk last week. That actually might have worked out to be um, a good move, but we'll see about that. Check out lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Make sure to stay tuned as we'll be giving out some of their specials uh, throughout the show. As ever, you'll find us on Podcast Republic, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and at LOI Weekly on Twitter. We're in association with Airsport and Independent.ie, and you will probably find Daniel McDonald at some sort of an FAI gathering of late. Dan, it's, it's just, is this ever going to end? Not so much COVID-19, but you doing FAI stories. That must be the longest ever introduction you've done, Johnny, I think. you like, that was... That was extraordinary. Like that was a that was nearly as long as the the, the first phase of the lockdown. Um, oh. And and we've got David McMillan coming up as well. It was obviously quite a quite a good guest to have. Um, but yeah, no, it is it is true that it is it is like uh, uh, this FEI thing doesn't go away. And I don't want to labour on it today because I think people start switching off too much. But yeah, I, I'm a bit frazzled coming after a couple of hours of uh, FEI governance. We're recording on Wednesday afternoon, and you've been at an FEI gathering. For, yeah, and I'm not going to a game on Friday. Like football's great. I've been to three games in the last since the comeback, which has been brilliant, really enjoyable to go to games, and I've and I've watched all the other ones pretty much. Uh, but this Friday, alas, there's an, an emergency FEI meet in the Red Cow, so uh, yeah, not great. Maybe a few other bits and bobs out of the meeting today that won't necessarily get all the headlines, but um, maybe more relevant to a League of Ireland perspective. Again, more chat today about uh, the. the uh, there's a punter coming in from BDO who's now involved in another five-year strategic review of the league. Um, this is That'll be a Paul in. Cook connection, would it? He's, he was... Uh, I did, no, I well, no, 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 no. Well, there's... there's, there's you, you see, this is the thing. We always look for connections or something like, you know... You have someone not like the BDO Kieran. darts, anyway. No, not the BDO darts. I mean, it would be great if it was. Yeah. Someone, well, no score! Is, <laughs> BDO is a slightly... BDO is the Europa League of the darts, right? <laughs> or it's... Uh, it's it, probably it, more... Even. Fourteen. More that third tier thing that the Ireland League of Ireland is. <laughs> yeah, we can't. Anyway, we can't really talk about whether that would be fitting or not. But um, yeah, like it's it's that's going on. Bit of chat today about uh, obviously the, the Waterford situation and 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 our clubs respecting protocols completely. Declan Devine had some comments, not in our interview, but just mm. generally about quarantining and and I, I know that that's a, a big talking point probably amongst players and managers. A lot of people are wondering what other people are doing um so a lot of stuff about that and you know first division might be included in the streaming service if there is a streaming service next year so there's a variety of other things discussed but unfortunately we have to wade through a lot of crap it's like uh it always seems like it's uh the fei stuff it's, it's not quite as heroic as andy dufresne but we're sort of wading through a lot of shit you know mm. so um mm. we have I to like that. We have, we have to get through it. But um, yeah, let's, let's maybe not get bogged down that route again because we're going to come back to it again. And it's just been really good to, uh, to, have, to have football games. Have you called the league yet? You probably have. Well, the, the streaming is like, uh, the streaming is class because you get a chance to, 
As I was trying to allude to last week, you'd probably have it on in the background at times. It's hard enough to watch 90 minutes on your laptop or if you have it streamed. There might be two games going on at the one time and split screens and all that. But uh, obviously, if you say oh, uh, Rovers are five points ahead of Dundalk after six games, that's not really relevant. Rovers are five points ahead with 12 games to go. Um, I'm not calling the league, obviously, but that Dundalk were pretty flat on Friday night, which was a little bit worrying. And if you're looking at it from a form perspective, St. Patrick's didn't do anything for the form subsequently. Um, I'd be a small bit worried for Dundalk, um, but Derry have to play Rovers at the weekend and things can change quickly. Yeah, I, I appreciate where that concern comes from and it's very valid in an 18-game season. It's, it's not quite like last year, you know, calling it sort of with 20-plus games to go or whatever, whatever it is. Like, it is more real now. I suppose the one thing you would say is that did sometimes, like, do you remember a couple of years back uh, Dundalk drew with Braid nil all on the opening day. I of the had season. a bet on them. That it was the fair. most like misleading result in the history of Irish football. Yeah, because uh, both had record concessions and and goals. Point, yeah. And what we've even seen after the long break, like between Friday and between Monday and Tuesday, we've seen Shelburne. I saw Shelburne on Saturday, and they were terrible. Um, Derry were terrible on Friday, and both sides responded. You know, from one game to the next. So you're wondering. Was it just like was everyone's performance in the first game after almost a bit misleading, or you know, is there any trends from it yet? So, but but like from the Dundalk's perspective, I I think it's not overstating it to say that they have to go and win in bows on Friday. They have That's to go. That's overstating it, Dan. Yeah. Well, do you think? Like you know, the, the, the bows away, a draw isn't a bad result, and. You know, yeah, I, know I just feel like they have to. Okay, they don't. It's not going to be game over, obviously. To the kind of phrase, if they this do, this is must win games, two games after lockdown. But, but I sort of feel just to make a statement, it possibly might be to put the pressure on Rovers going to Derry because what we do have is a bit of weird match play stuff going on now, where like no, the teams are never going to play at the same time. So obviously, mm. they're always going to be reacting to the other's previous result, and I just think. From the Dundalk perspective, yeah, of course. If they don't win, yeah, it's not over by any stretch of the imagination. But I think maybe psychologically they maybe need to strike the blow of 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 getting that big win against Bowes and and Rovers. Actually, their next couple of games, like you could argue, if you were to draw a list from top to bottom of say their hardest games in a series, you know, the Dock would obviously be the top one, and they've won that Bowes probably, and they won that. Like the next two after are probably Derry away and, and Pats away. So, I mean, if they're going to drop points anywhere, you would think that the next two games in this series are the ones where they're most likely to do so. So, um, it, it is significant now. And it's, I, as I said, I, I'm not mad on the 18 game format at all. I think it's, I think it's, you, you get back into the, you're getting back into the groove of the games now and you're thinking, oh no, another, another three month break coming not that long away. Um, but it does make everything a lot more exciting. And even being up at the Finn Harp Shells game, uh, last night, although it was a bit flat from Harp's perspective, you could just tell by the benches and the dynamic and the mood of the managers and and like these are all big games. Like every game is really really important now, and um, you know that that does add an excitement that you're actually you're looking forward to every game. I think now a because they're available and the streaming service is, is working very well. I it's think very good. But b because the match is all matter and in the dying stages of games even the Finn Harp Shells game which wasn't a great match but you still had the Harps keeper coming up for a corner in the last minute you know mm. so um, you're, you're getting excitement I think of a, of from the born out of the importance to the stake so it, it was a good start the, the, the home away thing as well is, is fascinating I think because I know it's a small sample size but 
did Pats approach the game in Dundalk slightly different to the way they approached the game against Derry? Did Derry approach the game slightly different than the way they approached the game against Sligo? Pats have a terrible record at home under Stephen O'Donnell. They have a really good away record. Um, Pats never really got going against um, Derry at all. Derry sort of played a bit of a smash and grab, but actually then started growing into the game. Eight away wins, one home win in both divisions so far. Yeah, look, I, I, it's, it's early days. I mean, there certainly is a trend about the importance of a first goal mm. as well, too which, you know, you can link the two together. I remember I asked Ollie Horgan about it last night. There is no doubt that um, there are certain games that I've been at. In fact, all the games I've been at, the Dundalk game, the Shells game, the Finn Harps game, you know, Shells on Saturday, that, is, that all three teams, uh, the home team, were, 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 were in need of a late goal. And probably there's no doubt that the factor of their crowd being there, you know, willing them on, there's no doubt that could have helped them all in those scenarios and that the pressure that they did build up, it was sporadic. And maybe if they had the bunters there, like they would have been, it would have added something, but it's always very hard to quantify the value of spectators. But I think in, in that, in that essence, maybe with the away teams, there is something as well that like they have the whole day together, like their travel away, you know, they're, they're focused because there's a mm. certain focus that comes from, you know, going up to Donegal together with the group and you're in that mode. Whereas maybe if you're at a home side, you rock up at your home ground where you, you might be training or reporting to during the week. And again, there's no fans there. It's just another day. And maybe that's why they're all starting flat too. Um, but what we did see in other leagues as well is that like there was trends early on and maybe they, oh, they, they, they go away over time. Um, but there's something in it. There is definitely something that would make you think about you know, that it would make you look at fixtures maybe through a different mindset now and think, you know, the, 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 like, you know, the optics of Cork playing a home and being mm. a tough place to go doesn't have the same meaning that it would if there was, if the shed was going to be there, certainly. Yeah. And, I, and by the way, like, I mean, we said it last week. Like, actually, last week I said there were four teams in the relegation battle. And then I, I just, I basically forgot to mention Shells. And after watching them on Saturday, I was like, yeah, there's every chance still that, that they're going to find themselves dragged into it, even though they won last night. Like, you know, the other teams have strengthened, whereas as Ian Morris has pointed out quite pointedly, Shells didn't. They kept paying their players. They didn't strengthen, uh, whereas other players did. But like, who are Cork? Who's going to save Cork here? Well, actually, if you're to oh. bet on this now, who's, who's favourite to go down? I would probably say Cork. I think it's Cork. Harps, is, now, Harps, Harps, would, Harps' performance last night would alarm you. Mm. Um now, I know Barry McNamee has to come back, um, but there was just a lack of... Like, they, they need to pick up points at home, you know? They, mm. they really do need to pick up points at home. And against 10 men, they, they were a bit poor, but I, I'm always conscious of overreacting to one or two games after a break. It can be deceptive. Cork should have a bit of an upside as well in that they have a lot of young players coming in and they've changed their team a bit. I didn't see much upside in their performance Sunday, to be honest. No, I, 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 there, was, there was the odd glimpse. I still think... Deshaun Dowling is going to be a good player for them yep. um, and like they've brought in the old dogs you know like Bennett was brought in unsurprisingly and McNulty even and uh, you know Kevin O'Connor is back but I just think you like you look at where other teams have recruited like I, mean, I think Sligo I really now believe that Sligo Rovers every chance they'll be fine and maybe that's just an overreaction but I'm looking at a, a team with junior Ronan Coughlin and DeVries the, the New Zealand player They've got, I think, attacking options that some of those other clubs around there don't have. Yeah. I, think just, I think they're just going to struggle to score. And um, now Cork have brought in two strikers, to be fair, so um, who are going through their quarantine and period right now. So 
uh, they and they, they've they've come with a reasonable pedigree in the sense of you know they, they've they've been signed from decent clubs and we've seen how good Gibson was for Pats and uh, you know Akintunde scored for Derry so maybe these players that come in uh, will have a sort of a, a galvanizing impact but I'd say they need it because I think they are the favourites to get out at the moment and I don't I don't think it's dramatic to say that uh, before I think um, yeah. Fair. Before we go to Huddersfield, sorry, is the, is the, hmm. the core player, and the second one was from Blyde Spartan, Scott Elliott. So no pressure, lads. Before we go to uh, David McMillan, just on the title race, like I was talking to Tim Clancy after the draw to Shamrock Rovers uh, two game, and he said Shamrock Rovers were absolutely excellent. And you look at some of the players. You have Liam Scales was starting. He's not that long ago was playing under twenty ones for Ireland. Um, just don't really see where Rovers are going to drop a scatter of points because they have obviously Greg Bulger is out. Apart from that, I, I don't, I don't see. Aaron Bolger has come back Aaron in. Bolger is back. There's no doubt that like it's going to be, it's 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 different to last year. Like it's definitely like and Rovers John are different. Cavanaugh was year. playing as well. Sorry. Yeah, Rovers like yeah. Now I mean that was a strong Rovers B team. I'm actually I I still I was very supportive of the Rovers B team being in the first division and I I wrote about it. It wasn't necessarily a madly popular view, but I did look at their team the other day. Even Williams, who played the night before. Yeah. Play and I just don't think that's. I think if someone's played uh, in a Premier Division match, they shouldn't be playing in a First Division game in the same weekend. I know with the five subs, obviously, so on. I just that, anyway, that, it is what it is. Yeah, there it is. That, that wasn't great. That was harsh and draw. That's a bit of a by the by, but but it does reflect um, the strength of their squad, and that's why what I'm saying is that like when you look at it, like Cork City won the, the, the year Cork won the league, they got 21 out of 22 wins. The Robbers don't need to have a record anywhere. Mm. <laughs> you know, they don't have that many games to play. Um, so it's why, like the dog, the dog realistically of the remaining um, of the remaining twelve matches, they certainly need to beat Rovers at home. Like how many of the other games do they need to win? They Will there be a crowd in Unreal at that game? They need to win quite a few. Well, the way things are going now, absolutely mm. not. Um, um, and that's going to be you know, I know you're, we're we're chatting about predictions for when crowds may return now, but obviously that's. Like you'd have to say there's massive doubts. Massive doubts around Europe. The one thing you would say yeah. with Rovers, Rovers and Dundalk is that, you know, European commitments, fixture schedules, like that can be a factor. But I would imagine, uh, and I'm sure Rovers will take Europe seriously this year, but it's not really a proper European year. I guess what I'm saying is, like, it's 800 grand for winning the league and it's, you know, plus and all that goes with it. And there's you know two hundred grand odd for getting through a round in Europe. Uh, I don't think they're going to do stuff in Europe that I, I think the next league game will always be the priority because that's the much bigger prize in the long run. Um, so I can't imagine they're going to leave too much behind in Europe in terms of making unnecessary risks with with someone. I think if they're fit for the next league game, that might be the priority. Well, say say if Rovers win the league, right? Um, Will it be sort of looked upon as, ah, yeah, you won the league, but like that wasn't really a league. That was an 18 game season. It wasn't really like, you know, grand, you won the league, but like that's kind of, it just didn't really happen. I, 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 people will make that point, um, but it, it would only come across as Sarah Grapes. I think, like, um, like uh, that was why my, my preference would have been to have an extra playoff or something at the end so that at mm. least they have to play their rivals three or four times. But I mean, if they go and they win seventeen out of eighteen games or whatever, um, you know, I don't think you can chip away at that really. Um, if if it if it's very tight, I can understand it. But 
I think people forget these things pretty quickly. Like, I don't think it's going to have an, I don't think it's going to have an asterisk next to it in the record books. I really, I really don't. Like, you know, like, like you, the, the, the rival team still started this series three points behind with X amount of games to go. Yes, if, if for some reason Rovers get ahead and then they start to flag and say Dundalk finish very strongly, there will be, there will be bitterness around it. There will be commentary, but I mean, the trophy will still be presented and, and, and in five years' time, I still think people will look back and say, well, the, the Robbers won the league that year rather than the Astros. I don't know. I'm sure people from people in the dock will have a different answer if, if, they, if they come second in the league, but I, that, that's not going to achieve anything. I've made the point at the start of this that everyone has to accept, like, everyone has to accept the terms and conditions. Whether you like it or not. Whether they like and and I don't like them. And I've said I don't like them. You know, but it's the same with relegation. Like the teams that are relegated are going down. That's pretty permanent. You know, like, uh, and they can't. They've they've signed into it now, and everyone has to accept the consequences. And like, there's still there's still a lot of minutes of football to be played. Um, but it is weird that actually the dog do need a favour. They need Rovers to drop points, uh, even if they beat them. <laughs> so like, it's actually it's yeah. not actually in their hands at the moment. It's they, they need Rovers to slip up somewhere too. Let's, let's, go talk, Dave, let's go to David yeah, McMillan. Let's maybe. talk to Dave McMillan. Obviously, returned to Dundalk after a spell in Scotland. Um, he's back and he's here to chat to us now. David, uh, welcome back, obviously, to Ireland and welcome to the show. Cheers, thank you. Um, has it dawned on you that after all this time, you're back in the tight race with Dundalk and you're preparing for Europe very shortly? Um, it's a bit strange, I suppose, because in some ways it's, a, it's an odd time to come back. It should be mid-season and then in some ways it is mid-season, but there's only been six games played. So, um, no, it's kind of exciting, I suppose. I've obviously signed till, till only the end of the year and there's only three months to go. So, it's just trying to hit the ground running with Tindalk as quickly as possible because, as you said, we've got really, really important league games and then obviously Europe in under two weeks now at this stage. So, um, there's, lots to, there's lots to get ready for. It's, it's probably a bit like kind of being a big home and away fan and then not watching it for two years and you come back and there's a load of new characters, but like the old stable giants like Alf Stewart are still there. So uh, there are a lot of new characters there for you to get to know. Yeah, we've obviously, we've quite a big squad. I think it's, it's sort of been mentioned in the group. The squad was was set up for probably 50 odd games this season and all of a sudden there'll be maybe, I don't know, hopefully 15, 16 games at least to, to play this year. But um, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of guys that I've played with in the past that are still there and for me personally, that just made it very easy to um, to transition back into the group to to know so many of the players and um, you know make settling in really really easy. Dave, I'm sure like you're, you're you're facing this question from everyone coming back, but like how, how would you assess your time in Scotland? Because mm-hmm. I suppose you, maybe one or two false starts there with injury and whatnot, but like how would you assess the overall stay you had there? Um. Look, overall, I was obviously disappointed. I think someone pointed out to me that maybe I started 24 games in the, the two and a half years I was there. And realistically, that's not, not enough games to be playing. Um, things were a little bit strange. Obviously, I went over and, and got an injury on my debut, which doesn't help anybody. But I got back at the end of that season and, you know, scored, I think, twice in three or four games. So, you know, I was heading into a pre-season quite excited still that I could make an impact and, and do something really good at the club and, um, with St. Johnson. And um, I suppose with, with new signings coming in that summer, I just didn't get as many games as I would have liked. Um, despite the fact when I when I did play, I, you know, I scored a couple of goals, you know, against Aberdeen and Hamilton and things. And 
you know, I personally, I felt I probably deserved more opportunities than I got. But come that January, you know, the manager was clear that he wanted me to leave. And, um, you know, one year into a two and a half year contract, it's obviously not an ideal situation. Hmm. Like, how did you, uh, you know, going over as a slightly older player, right? Did you feel mm. that, that did that compromise you in any way? That Was there more of a demand that someone at that age, they want them to deliver straight away. Like, I, I don't know what the perception might have been compared to maybe a 21-year-old who'd played excellent um, games. Not really. So for me, personally, at that age, I just saw it as a sort of a last opportunity to, to make a jump across. And um, funny, it was, it was just something I wanted to go well for, for me personally, obviously, but also for the league. I mean, some players have gone over and made a great impact. And like, you look at Sean Maguire and his impact raises the profile of the league massively, but other players have gone over and not been successful. And I suppose from a personal point of view, I wanted to be one of those players that could go over and do very well and, and show that our league was was able to make that step. And I mean, you see it at the moment, I think, you know, to see Jamie McGrath start on Saturday there and, and do well, I think it's, it's very much the case that players can. But um, for me personally, it was a disappointment that I couldn't do that and like make that step and, and sort of deliver as much as I would have done. Yeah, because like, you did end up in the, the, the Scottish third tier last year on loan. I mean, mm-hmm. what was that experience like? What I mean, what were the levels like there? Yeah, the levels were, were quite high, obviously. Um, I think when I signed, I, I read some things and people were saying it was a big step down. But in terms of the club, Falkirk as a club is, is a very, very big club. It's had a lot of success not that, you know, not that far ago. Um, but yeah, it wasn't obviously where I, I planned on playing. Um, I think... I'd had an, another loan deal that was close to going through. St. Johnson prevented that from happening. And then I ended up where the transfer window was closed. It was clear I wasn't going to play at St. Johnson and my options were limited. I could only go on loan to teams in the Scottish League 1 or League 2 or, or sit in the stand at St. Johnson. So really, I had no option at that point but to, but to take the move for the year. What, what, uh, what was the, you mentioned like the, the, you, know, you felt almost you're representing the league here to some degree, like in, in mm-hmm. some way. Like I know sometimes when there's commentary from Scotland about the League of Ireland, sometimes it can be disparaging, sometimes not. I mean, what impression did you get over there? Like, did you get did you get many comments about your vendor? What what was the viewpoint you you encountered? Uh, not necessarily comments about it, but I think people probably don't know the league as well. And unusually, I think I think certainly in League of Ireland, our perception and my perception would be that our league is stronger than, for example, the Irish league. I think even you see the pictures last year between Linfield and the Dock, but. There is a good image of the Irish League over there, maybe because more people move over. The likes of Aaron Kearney obviously took over at St. Mirren. Um, there seems to be a good impression of the Irish League, whereas League of Ireland people seem to just know less about it, maybe because less players make the move. I'm not sure, but um, I think it was just generally a lack, of, a lack of knowledge, really, about the League of Ireland in Scotland, and probably that's widespread through the UK. You you obviously scored against like some serious teams in Europe, so it wasn't as if you were... Um, you know, playing against superior teams to that week in, week out. But mm-hmm. what was the standard like? And, you know, I suppose it's a point that Dan makes a lot. There's a massive discrepancy in the League of Ireland in top and bottom. But obviously, he's in Scotland too. But is it a case that maybe, like, your second and third last Scotland is going to be appreciably better than your second and third last team over here? Yeah, I think I think that's probably a point I made to a lot of people, I think, is... Even right down to, we were talking about League One there, I think that the teams down there, there's players who will have played in the Premiership and played in the Championship and probably are half a season, decent season away from moving right back up again. So I think outside of obviously your Celtic and Rangers, a lot of those teams from the bottom of the Premiership 
to top of league one like they're all extremely extremely competitive and I think just the pool of players there is just a lot bigger than what we have here and maybe that's because we have other sports that people play like GA and things like that but everything in, in Scotland for example is just geared towards football um, so I think just the standard across the board is there's just great strength and depth across the leagues for example they do the league cup there every season well maybe not this year but every other year and you're as a premiership club at St. Johnson we were going to play league one games and You'd see them almost as pre-season friendlies, but they were extremely competitive. Um, the first year, I think we just about got out of our group playing two teams in League One, and the second year, the second pre-season, we didn't get out of our group. You know, um, so there is there's just strong teams across the board. I think sort of systems-wise and coaching-wise, was there much difference? I suppose you left Ireland when it was everyone was playing four-five-one pretty much, um, and it was yeah. probably a lot of the ball on the ground. But like in Scotland, it's a winter league. But is it is it the same sort of um, commitment in that regard? I think I found uh, like a lot of managers there, they all want to play with two strikers. There's just, I don't know whether it's it's driven by fans. They just want to see two strikers. I think there's it's a quite direct, quite physical. And the few teams that do play a sort of one striker, weirdly enough, I suppose, are, are the teams that are at the very top, you know, Celtic and Rangers, Aberdeen. Most other teams will try and play with two strikers and it seems managers right across the board that all the clubs I've played in wanted to play two strikers if possible. Um, I said to one of the guys this week, I, I'm not sure I ever played a game, maybe one game that I played where I was playing as a number nine by myself, which is a bit strange because obviously that's what I've done here to earn the move across. Um, so was that actually yes. a disadvantage for you playing up top with somebody else in? I think probably you're just trying to get used to, I think as well when you're in and out of the team, you're trying to get used to playing with different players and. I'm not trying to make excuses, but these are the challenges I suppose you come across is um, you're suddenly playing different systems and with different players. I mentioned it to Patrick McElhenney yesterday and he was saying when he went across the Oldham, the first game he played, he was playing wide right. He's thinking, if you know guys not watch me, I played, 10 all, played number 10 or whatever all the time. So I think that's just something you have to accept and um, I suppose the, the best players can, can get used to that and can, and can make the most of it. But um, certainly it was difficult. You might play one week almost off a striker and next week you're playing ahead of someone else. Or So yeah, there's just things that I suppose the uh, I suppose the difficulties of, of moving to a new club where in the look I felt I was so settled I knew I was going to play that role and, and that's the position you were always going to play. Yeah, I, mean, I remember Pat Hoobin speaking before about his time in England and he actually he ended up playing as a number 10 like at times mm. in, in games and stuff and and his take was because I think he was a say an outsider as such you know he wasn't someone who had a CV in those leagues that once he didn't score for a couple of games it almost became a you know it became a question mark around your ability at that level like did you did you feel that pressure because you didn't have the the Scottish CV behind you that, that maybe you'd have a, a journeyman in that league who will be trusted because he's done it before, I guess. Yeah, I think, I suppose my competitions for, for a lot of the time um, as my sort of second season there started was Tony Watt who'd come in and obviously Tony's a very good player but he had a huge reputation in Scotland. He's he's the guy mm. who scored the goal that beat Barcelona and that's what everybody knew him for and um, I think the, the example that sort of maybe kicked me back a bit was we we had played three games that I'd started. I think we'd won two and drawn one. I'd scored in two of the game. I'd scored two goals in those three games. So we were in good form and we went away to Ibrox and the manager just pulled me in and said, you're not going to play. Um, you know, I'm going to go with Tony and Tony hadn't scored at all in those games. And I just felt 
you know, if maybe if my reputation was bigger or something, I'd have played, I'd have been the one that was chosen to play Nybrox, but maybe the manager didn't have faith in me to do that. I don't know, but that was a sort of difficulty where I think if it was here and you would score twice in three games, there's no question you were going to play the next game, no matter who you were playing. So I think there were the sort of challenges you come up against where you felt you're in good form and all of a sudden, I think I didn't even play the game following that either. So suddenly you're out of the team for two games where you've just had a good run. Um, and perhaps if I had a bit of reputation, but you probably would have played those games you, and kept your position in the team. Were you always set on, on coming home then or has the pandemic and all that sort of actually affected that? Because I don't know, I, I know you, you, like you might have, I think you're quite keen on travelling, you know, and stuff like mm. that. You're open-minded to that type of thing. Like, but has the, you know, was it really just an, an Ireland only option in the circumstances that we're in right now? Um, I'm not sure. I, I, I think when I moved over, I thought, right, well, I have two and a half year contract. Let's give it absolutely everything and see where it leaves me. And um, I probably would have considered other options had the pandemic not hit. And, and, but always Ireland was in the back of my mind. So it was sort of one or the other. If something amazing had popped up that was a real good opportunity, I'd have certainly looked at it. And um, I have a brother living in Melbourne and had there been an opportunity to go there, that was something I may have looked at. But when everything has happened the way it has, it's I suppose it just made the decision very, very easy that I was I was gonna come home before even the club was organized. It was I was gonna come home and, and sort things out here and, and um yeah, I suppose I'd I'd been away since um since Christmas and hadn't seen family for six months, which I suppose was difficult considering everything that was going on. So yeah, it's it's kind of good to be home. Yeah, on the, on that, like how was it to settle in? I know you're you weren't going over as a sixteen year old, but how was it settling mm. in somewhere different? Um, yeah, it's, 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 I found it okay, to be honest. At the beginning, it's sort of a bit of a, an adventure, a bit of a new challenge. Um, but I moved to, originally I moved to a place sort of, that was very quiet town, Kinross, that was, you know, the club put me up, lovely house and everything, but, um, just not a lot going on. And I'd always sort of planned to move to Edinburgh as soon as possible. So I moved in the summer and that was obviously made things a lot easier that you're, you know, there were other players that lived there and, um, just a bigger city to go and do things but no, I enjoyed the experience to be away and and to live somewhere else for for a long period of time and um yeah that was something I, I actually quite enjoyed about it was, was it always going to be Dundalk you came back to um no I mean look that's it was something that I hoped this would is happen, where you say yeah this is my dream move I was no never it is that's what I mean it, it, like, <laughs> it's obviously something I I really wanted to happen like my ties to the club are so strong from my previous spell and um, I think a lot of people know my, my mum and dad still went up to games over the last few years to, to watch so the ties of my family even now are, are so close to the club but that doesn't mean that the move's going to happen that doesn't mean that the dock are going to want to sign me or anything like that so I was coming home hopeful that it could be done but obviously there was stuff the club needed to sort out to make sure it could happen and um, for me it was sort of a probably a two-week spell sitting and waiting a little bit and hoping that it could get over the line and and um, yeah, I'm just grateful it did in the end. How would you just, I mean, the situation you've come into then, I mean, look, look at those very familiar faces there. I, I'm sure you could, you could list them all off. You know, some of them, like yourself, have been away and come back. But it's a new training centre. There's, uh, you know, there's, uh, I, I guess, new ownership as well, because that was mm-hmm. only just going through, I guess, when you left. So, yeah. like, how, you know, how would you describe the environment you've found now compared to the one you've left? Yeah, I think... Um... I suppose you're coming. I'm coming back from clubs that were all full time. Mm. I left a team that was actually still training in the afternoons. And um, when I left, 
and they just put in a new gym but in terms of changing rooms and video rooms and offices canteen all of that wasn't in so it feels less of a, a leap now having come like coming back from teams in Scotland that have all those facilities mm-hmm. but when I left none of that was there in Dundalk even the training pitches improved massively and um, so yeah it's, it's it feels a smooth transition coming from that sort of full-time setup into Dundalk whereas when I left it, it wasn't really like that in terms of the, the quality of facilities that were there so it's brilliant and I think the honours do deserve credit for, for spending the money well obviously everybody wants to see the ground improve in terms of fans that are going to the games but from a player's perspective it's great to see all of those improvements as well and I think they help everything behind the scenes for, for what you want to get ready for a Friday night I suppose I, th- I think one of the quirks of this season unfortunately from you know is there's no betting in real you know t- time to settle in it's not as though you can necessarily come back in and, and ease yourself into a season I mean even after Dundalk don't win last Friday there's a bit of a commentary of oh five points behind the 12 games to go and there's big European games coming like it's you're sort of straight into the tick of something here you know is that something yeah. that's unusual to to arrive it's, at a new club uh, I say new club but a, a new a move straight into the tick of something like that it is and I think what makes it stranger for me personally is like I haven't trained with a team since March and um, I think shut down over there while the premiership teams have been able to go back and be tested I was obviously on loan my contract ended at the end of June so like I've had to just train alone basically for all that period of time. So you're coming back in, not having really kicked the ball properly since March. And as you said, you have 12 games to go or well, 13 when I come back to 12 now. So yeah, for me, just obviously the other guys are in a different boat. But for me personally, it's just try to hit the ground running. You know, I've worked with sort of the physio and the strength condition coach to make sure I can try and avoid injuries as you come back in and doing things that you haven't done for a couple of months. So it is a bit of a strange one. If you were making the move and you were just come from one team to the other where you were still playing, I think it would be much, much easier. Mm. So it's just making sure because it's such a short spell and I'm, my, as I said, my contract's on to the end of the season as well. I want to make the absolute most of it. So, um, yeah, trying to hit the ground run as quickly as possible and, and get straight back into it. What's it like? Obviously, Rory Higgins has gone, Stephen O'Donnell has gone, Alan Reynolds is in now, and um, you're you're fighting for a place essentially up front or whatever with Patrick Holden. So mm-hmm. there's a lot going on in, with 12 games to go. Yeah, there is, I suppose. Um, for me, I can't, like the background team has all changed previous to me being there, I suppose. So um, Rennie's come in, he has to be doing a great job. And um, yeah, I'm just, I have to fight for my place. Pat's obviously got the jersey, he scored again on Friday. And I suppose my aim is to, to make sure he keeps scoring and if he doesn't that I'm ready to go and, and uh, score myself if he's not doing it so just got to push each other on obviously it worked well for us way back in 2014 and uh, my first season at the club I think I scored 15 odd goals pretty much all off the bench and Pat scored probably near 20 that season as well so Obviously, it's a much shorter time now till the end of the season, but if we can repeat something like that, I think Finney will be very happy. Are you the same player as well? You're you're 31 now. Are you coming back as good as you left? Um, I like to think so, yeah. I think in terms of what, what I used to bring in terms of energy and um, you know, Harry and defenders and making runs in behind and all of that stuff, I think still well capable of doing all that. As I said, I've only played 25, 24 starts since I've been away, so I still feel fit and ready to go and um, I think I can offer a lot to the team and I think the good thing about myself and Pat is we're probably slightly different players in terms of you know how we play as strikers so I think 
you know, if you're bringing me on for Pat or vice versa, you're, you're different options you're making defenders think. And I think um, hopefully that'll be a valuable asset to the manager. Yeah, I was only going to ask about the European thing, but it's actually a bit strange at this stage because the whole travel protocols and information that comes out yesterday, it's like the European draws is what, next Monday, I think. And normally that's actually a very exciting day. You know, where are you going to go? Yeah. Uh, does it feel a bit different now? Because, I mean, I'm not even entirely sure what's going to happen here, I have to say. I think it's strange because you don't even know if you're away or home. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it was the talk was really about the Irish team yesterday, from what I read. Was what well, there's a bit of chat about and, like, but, yeah, yeah, the, the, the country, the country of your opponent seems pretty important now, and yeah. not just their level, but their uh, their cases, which is a yeah, it's, it's, an, it's a it's a whole new list. level to the European draws, isn't it? Mm. You know? Yeah, we hope for a team on the green list. Yeah, it's a bit weird. I like. I suppose as a player, you can't worry about it too much. Mm. You just hope that that all gets sorted. But it is something that, you know, I've, I've been following over the last few days. And you would hope that there's some sort of decision, at, whether it has to be FAI or governmental level, that that decision is made quickly. And, you know, we don't want to be going into three or four days before the game wondering, are we home? Are we away? Are we a neutral venue? You know, what's going to actually happen? So I think the sooner that stuff is sorted, I can't see any reason why they can't make those decisions at this point and decide mm. that, Right. Once you travel on a charter plan and you don't mix with anybody and you go straight to the game and you come straight back and all those sort of things, absolutely minimize the risk and even get the players tested before and after it has to be done. Let's make those decisions now so that everybody's clear. The games will go ahead and this is how we'll do them. And I think those decisions need to be made as soon as possible. I think the FAI have said today the Aviva Stadium might be available to you too, which I mean, that could be. It could be could be quirky, you know. The dogs play the game there. I mean, it's not as if they haven't done it before, but uh, mm. it's still it's still something. But there's a couple of quick things before we let you go. The are, are you going to resume your career as an architect, or where does that stand? Uh, is that going to go back in and do a few hours on a Wednesday now, or where where um, stand with that? Yeah, I mean, when I when I was like made the decision that I was definitely coming home. I since I've left, I've I got myself fully qualified, and I can go and work for myself if I wanted to and I suppose this is where I should you know sell myself and tell people if they want some work done they should give me a call <laughs> there we go yeah yeah um, so a lot of people are doing planning at this time of the year you know like it's yeah, they've had I'm a chance during fun. lockdown to look around with extensions and whatnot and stuff you know the first so. fellow to use this podcast to promote activities. <laughs> um yeah I'm sure Brian's done it in the past um, no uh, I'm not sure to be honest I think um my focus will just be on Football, get myself up to speed and make sure that I'm in tip-top shape for that and I'll have plenty look we'll have a, another unfortunately we'll have another long off-season come the end mm. of whatever it might be November that's that stuff I can ramp it up if I if I decide to or, or not but yeah it's something that I'll I want to keep going and keep involved in you know I didn't do any when I was well I did bits and pieces when I was away but nothing really significant and um I don't think I'll be going back into an office, but if I could work for myself then on the side, then yeah, that's definitely something I'll look at. What was their review in the Pats game last week, just as a group? Like, how would you assess it? I mean, it's first game back, but as we said, it's it's really not in a way too because of the, the nature of the season. Yeah, I think. Look, we've as a squad, we've analysed it and discussed it, and um, I think there's a danger at some point of overanalyzing it. It's, it's one game. Um, a draw to St. Pat's isn't isn't the end of the world, but it is, as you said, with twelve games to go, you want to make sure you're you're at your best and picking up points and especially with Europe around the corner. So 
we've looked at it, we've analysed it from our own point of view and where we can improve and what we can do better. And um, it's easy to speak about it, but the only way we can fix it is to go out on Friday and win the game against Bohemians. And um, I don't think I've ever gone to Data Mountain and got an easy game, so it's, it's going to be a tough one. But I think everybody wants to put last Friday behind us and, and try and pick up three points and, uh, against Bohemians. I, I guess as well, you know, with you over around the corner, you've got to be thinking that Vinny has definitely signed you with one strong eye on that in the in the sense that, you know, your record in Europe is ac- actually incredible, really, when you consider it, the, the quality of the opposition you're playing. And um, do you feel that, that, like, once Europe happens, that, well, this is kind of partly why I was brought back? Um, well, not necessarily. I have to earn the right to either, you know, be in the team or even with our squad to even be in the 18. So, hmm. um We'll have games before that. We've obviously, hopefully, we'll have two games against Waterford. I think there was some, I say, positive news, but negative news in terms of the case in Waterford. So hopefully those games will go ahead next week. And for me personally, I'd be hopeful to play one of those and get myself right up to speed and, you know, put a marker down and say, right, I'm back, Vinny. I want to play and I'm pushing for the place. But um, as things stand, as I said earlier, Pat's got the jersey. He scored on Friday and I'm sure he'll, he'll probably play on Friday again if he's if he's fit and ready and I've just got to try and prove my worth and make sure that come the 18th or 19th or whenever we're playing in Europe that I'm as fit as I can be and I'm, I'm playing well and uh, I'm an option for the manager at least. Just listen, finally Dave, just before we let you go, I mean, it seems remiss to have someone on and not also mention Harry Taff as well, which was uh, something which cast a real shadow over last week and I'm sure mm-hmm. I mean, that's also been a, a probably a difficult thing for, for the group to process as well because you obviously would have known very well, like the integral part of the group that he that he was. Yeah, he's he just really did everything around the club, um, and for anybody as well. Um, he was our groundsman, our cameraman, our fix-it man, uh, our go-to for anything. And I think even the the players up there who who live in accommodation in Dundalk, you know, they could call Harry any time to fix something, whether it be. Someone needing a light, a light bulb changed, or whatever, or something more be. serious, or, maybe. Yeah, yeah, even yeah. So, even a problem around the town if mm. it was an issue, Harry would go and sort it out for them, and he would deal with it in a quiet manner and and get it done. And um, you know, I saw, I thought it was nice. I saw like tweets and things, even from people like Nicholas Vamelin, who spent a short time at the club. But that's the kind of person I suppose Harry would have helped out, where Nicholas was moving things and having to move home and fly back. And Harry would be the kind of guy that would help him with anything he needed, whether it be get a trailer to bring a bed from Derry to the lock or anything like that. He just was always there for everybody around the club and, and he'll be sorely missed. And yeah, I've said before and condolences to his family. Um, his son Shane is in with us regularly this week as well. And, um, you know, hopefully he'll be around the club as well. Yeah, and absolutely. I think, you know, his, his family have also put out an important message this week about mental health services. And I think that mm-hmm. that is, will be remiss of us also not, not to mention that. And hopefully that campaign is taken, taken seriously. But um, listen, Dave, it's been great to have you on. Um, good to have you back. And yeah, thanks, t- thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a million, Thanks. Thanks, guys. All the best. Don't forget to visit laloland.ie forward slash sportsbook where you'll find all the odds and weekly special bets for the SSE or Tracy Premier Division. Following on from the success of away teams last week, Lotoland is boosting a 21 treble to 25 to 1 for Tundalk Shells and Cork. All to win, you would just never know. They're boosting the favourites treble as well. Tundalk, Shamrock Rovers and St. Patrick's all to win uh, from 4 to 1 to 9 to 2. So visit laloland.ie forward slash sportsbook. Yeah, thanks to David McMillan there. And um, 
just there is one thing about that signing, Dan, in that you just can't guarantee you're getting the player you signed, and he, he has virtually no time to bet himself in. And as you reference, he hasn't been training with the team for several months. Um, now, that's not to say Patrick Hovind scored yet again on Friday night. Um, but I, I do get the feeling that Vinny was very much looking to Europe when he signed him. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think he was looking for a variety as well. And there was a moment or two in the in the Pats game last week. There was one moment towards the end where actually he got he got he almost got free down the sides, and, and it led to a, a an opportunity that they actually overplayed a bit. But you were thinking, yeah, that ability that he gave them in that play is maybe the type of run that it would be hard for Huben to make. So you, you can see that point. Um, but. It's, it, he touched on it there. Like Dundalk had, had assembled a squad with a 55 game season in mind or whatever, and now they, they look a bit um, you know, top heavy in certain sections. Like they were disappointed on Friday. There's definitely there was something for all that I say that you know we can't analyze one game. And I even yeah. I think Dave alluded to it there. There's just there was just something that wasn't quite right. Um, and I spoke to a couple of people afterwards about it who. who who would probably know more uh, than me tactically, but certainly sort of echoed the view that, like, they, they, I think that midfield three that they have of Shields and Sloggett and and Flores, it was almost just there was one too many of the same type of player there. Yeah, just a bit like, and and I think in fairness, they actually addressed it by bringing on McElhenney Earlier than they might have wanted. Him not starting was a bit strange. Well, no, he, well, no, no, it's not that. See, the whole point of this is that he was an injury doubt, okay. and I don't think they wanted to give him any more than 20, 25 minutes. But they had um, to. But but they had to, and okay. as a result, it backfired because he he went off. But when you make it two changes five minutes into the second half, like I think they actually made the right changes in terms of problem solving what where they were lacking. Um, but it has obviously come at a price now with McLenny being injured and. Like they just looked, they just looked a bit, just, it's just a bit laboured. And you look at the balance of that midfield three, maybe compared to Rovers, who have, who have a bit more, I think it's a more dynamic or more energy in the opposition half. Like I know they have a slightly different. They have shape Jack Byrne. Well, they have Jack, but they also have Dylan Watts, you know, and mm. the, the energy and he gives them. And McAniff scores a lot of goals, and I know Jordan Flores scored some amazing goals at the start of the season, but he's not necessarily someone who breaks into the area and ironically scores the type of goal that Robbie Benson scored, who was the player Absolutely. that was there. It, it just, they just missed something and in that sort of number 10 department. Um, and as a result, uh, they became almost a bit predictable at times, yeah, which is not something that you would always use terms described. I like Kolovic. Like, Kolovic, very good. You could argue, could he play in the number 10 maybe? Like that's, that's certainly... A discussion point because um, he he's he's he he's got some nice touches and he he's adjusting to the league. Again, I'm very conscious of going overboard because we, we we mentioned it there. They had they had a tough week. They didn't want to make the excuse and they don't want it. But they obviously had a very tough week with the Harry Taft situation. Vinny personally yeah. had a very difficult week too, and you know it, it, that has to impact on on where everyone is at. Um, and so I think you have to give them a pass really. To some degree, well, you on can, that you can imagine as well the Harry Taft situation, the emotion in, Hor- in Oriel Park with that crowd for that game. Whereas then in the second half, mentally, maybe you've had a really tough week as a player, as an individual, as a club, and you're chasing this game against a good side. There's virtual silence in the ground, and you're just like, yeah, yeah it just doesn't feel it. Just doesn't feel easy, like. 
No, but I will get like I don't think anyone wanted to point and make that an excuse. You know, mm. they didn't want to. They didn't want to be laboring that. Well, on the on on the on the path, they didn't point. want to be. They didn't want to be laboring that point too much. Yeah. But there's no there's no doubt that it was possibly there to some degree. But as I said, like you know, th- this Friday will tell a tale and, mm. and what they've learned from last Friday. But Pat's like, yeah, well, this is the, this is the bad, this is the mad thing about Pat. So they come out of that game against Dundalk and they talk about a narrative change, and it's like we you know could easily have beaten Dundalk away. Uh, this Stephen O'Donnell project's working out great. They were really poor against Derry. They've now seven points from six games. So, and Derry, in contrast, were really poor against Sligo. And then they comfortably beat Pats away. So a lot for Decky Devine to ponder afterwards. And uh, Decky Devine uh, was speaking to Dermot Liddy of Drive. I'm delighted with the application of the players. I'm delighted with the performance. Um, I think you know, we had a lot of criticism on Friday. And rightly so. We didn't perform. We didn't anywhere near the levels we played tonight. But look, ultimately, it's about picking us up as many three points as we possibly can. They come away here now and play some pats and then is always a difficult game. But I thought our game plan tonight, I thought our, our tactics, I thought the players' appetite to prove a point tonight was something that was potentially missing on Friday. But look, we've all talked a bit of criticism. And the best way of, of taking that criticism is we giving a few answers back and Thankfully, the boys were able to do that tonight because I thought the players tonight were magnificent. Well, James Agatundi, on his debut, uh, could heighten Derry's hopes. It's never good to score in your debut, Declan. Listen, I've said this for, for the last couple of weeks. James is a very good footballer. Um, people are worried about we didn't get this target and we didn't get that target. And James Agatundi is going to be a fantastic player for this football club. Um, you know, People have to start believing what I'm saying. You've seen him yourself tonight. He's, he's a powerful boy. He holds the ball, ball up well. He scores goals. He can play off the left. He can play off the right. He can play through the middle. So, listen, I'm absolutely delighted for him because he's been a breath of fresh air since he's come on. Just what you were saying about big performances, the opening goal, Declan. Uh, great ball by Thompson. Great run by Horgan. Clever play from Jack alone. And a decent finish. Very good. Very good goal. Uh, I thought... You know, we set up tonight the counter attacks and pats. I thought we managed that quite well. You know, we denied them a lot of space. Uh, you expect in the day and minutes that they're going to throw everything at us, and, and that's at the time then that we relied on our goalkeeper and defenders to give us dig out. But never mind in the attacking sense. I thought Kieran Call was excellent tonight. I thought Thompson McCormick was excellent tonight. Colin Horgan, you know, very good performance all round. But I think most of that's down to the appetite and, and and the hunger of the players tonight. Appetite and hunger, you just said, and it really led to the, the second goal. There was a lot of closing down and Derry on the front foot and closing down the space and closing down as a pass defence, and it led directly to the second goal. Well, look, I, um, that's how we see our identity. We see that we've got to fight and scrap for every point. You know, we've got to, we've got to work extremely hard. Nobody's going to give you anything in this league. You know, and, and when you take your foot off a gas, you get punished in this league. So, look, that is a gimme. We've got to work extremely hard. Some Pats got a lot of plaudits on Friday night for working hard. I thought we worked extremely hard tonight so we'll see and just one final question Declan that's it done three points are in the bag but big game now ahead with Shamrock Rovers they're going once we get on this bus now that, 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 that performance is finished we've got to make sure that we haven't beat Shamrock Rovers in a long time um, they are as good a football inside as I've seen in this country for a long time so it's going to be extremely difficult but look we'll, we'll dust ourselves off tomorrow morning and we'll get ready for that one yeah it's, it's always great to have interviews with lads who've just won it's like as you, would, as you might know yourself Dan if you own a horse you know, the winning interview is just your high. You don't really care what you say anymore. Well, I and, didn't, uh, let's be clear, John. When I owned ours, I didn't get to do the interview after he won because... Long time ago. There was, a, there was an established media whore in place. Will we ever go, will we ever go back? Who was, who was better known to the racing fraternity. Um, you, well, so, you actually ran away from the camera, I think, let it be said. Uh, that was because they only requested you and my ego was 
viciously scarred. Um, well, okay, well, okay. That I, I'm not sure. We also that knew that you'd give far more away, so like you're obviously a, you're an easy touch. I'm not sure about that. Um, just speaking <laughs> of easy touches, Gary Deegan. This was an in, an interesting interview, Dan. Well, yeah, a bit of context here. So, I mean, shells. Can I just say, like, shells were dreadful on Saturday. I mentioned it earlier on, but just really, really poor and like disappointing. Um, so, so, and and Waterford were decent. Now, the whole Waterford story of the last couple of days and is is sort Once of a uh, well months, and it's you know whatever's happened there that, that the doctor has felt compelled to step away. Uh, very, very strange. Well, the whole thing is strange. Yeah, um, I think. The situation, I, I, I don't have the protocols in front of me here, but I, I thought it was quite tight as regards, you know, who you bring to games and stuff like that. And you, you have a situation where you have, you know, players who are injured traveling on the bus. You know, there, there were players who weren't involved in that game. They were out in the pitch after the game on Saturday with Waterford. Congratulating. Now, I've, I, I've seen squad players in stadium, you know, in, in the stands. I understand if it's a home team, you know, that, you know, you're not in the squad. But, you know, you, you, you watch the game, obviously. But I think, like, getting on a bus and going to Dublin if you're not going to play and then that becomes an issue afterwards. Uh, God, it just leaves itself open to all sorts mm-hmm. of, 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 of questions. So, uh, and, you know, the, we'll just say no more, really, um, anyway. about that. But uh, I think I don't think we're going to have heard the last of it, really. And uh, right. Gary Owens and people were asked today. But but Shells, so the flip around to Shells, um, who... Who, who did travel up to Donegal in their 60-seater bus. I think there was a 26 of them on it. They got a luxury coach. I actually parked in the bus station and took up a lot of their space, so uh, apologies to that. But um, the, the, the psychology, I guess, of going down to 10 men after 10 minutes when Carl Shepard gets sent off, you're in Finn Harps. It's a Tuesday at 5.45. It's not the most appealing ground in the world. Not the easiest team in the world to play against. You're down to 10, and you're thinking, this is going to be difficult. But you need someone in that situation, like you need experience, and you need someone like Gary Deegan. Who loves a cold shower, by all accounts. We've we, well, we, we've we've become aware of a tale where, where Gary Deegan did ring a Shelburne teammate and uh, proposed that they have cold showers every day for a week uh, mm. because this was be he now, not both of them actually. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, no, presume no, no. Gary already does it. Probably has an ice bath after. Yeah, exactly. Um, that he proposed that they took cold showers every day for a week because this would be character building. Uh, and there's no doubt that Gary Deegan uh, embraced the challenge in Finn Harps as character building. And uh, I spoke to him after what was the very definition of a hard fought 1 0 win. I don't know, do you say an enjoyable battle or how did you, how did you find that? Of course, any, any win's enjoyable. Uh, you come away to Finn Harps on a, on a wet night, down to 10 men, and you win 1 0. Any team will snap your hand out with that. You could see even on the pitch, you just sort of really regrouped after the sending off. You didn't sort of. Get despondent. You, you sort of, you sort of tuned into it straight away. How you reacted to it? Yeah, we knew we, we knew it was going to be tough at times, but we we stuck to our jobs and we always say if we uh, do our jobs individually and um, you know collectively we're, we're, we're all there. And I think everyone gave seven out of ten today. So um, you know, proud of lads now. I saw you going around the final whistle, sort of congratulating the lads. Are these the type of wins you really enjoy, particularly in, maybe as a response to Saturday when I think I spoke to the manager afterwards. He was quite disappointed by Saturday that you needed to respond to it. Yeah, hundred percent. I think when you when you lose a game, you want to you want a game to come around quickly, and uh, we've done that. And uh, look, we don't make things easy at times, but we went down to ten men, got people behind the ball, and, and we're not here to impress nobody. You know what I mean? We're, we're here to impress ourselves and pick up as many wins as possible. You know, we're down to about 12 games, 10 games, whatever it is now. So, uh, 
we'll take it and move on. You had Sean Quinn in next to you. Do you like that challenge of sort of bringing along a younger player like that? And he seemed to cope well with it tonight, but do you like sort of being the senior partner in that role? Yeah, that's fine. Look, Sean's got bags of energy to, to get around and sometimes you just have to let him, let him off the reins a little bit and uh, let him do his thing. And you've seen tonight when he can go and express himself, you know, we... He, uh, he looked really good at times, but um, you know, I'm not going to stand here and talk about one player when, when 10 lads, 12 lads absolutely put a shift in, and you know it's, it's a team effort, and um, you know I congratulate the team. Are you enjoying being home? Yeah, I am. Um, obviously, it's a bit of a weird time coming back, mm. as, as, as you notice. But um, look, I've got my family, I've got friends here. You know, she has made me feel welcome. So look, I've, I've got all the backing in the world to to go and enjoy the rest of the season. I suppose one of the things you would have liked coming is people coming to see you at games and it's a bit different now. They're, are they sort of watching on TV or like the whole closed doors experience? Uh, not really arsed. Um, <laughs> I'm being honest. Um, I couldn't care if 100 people, 200, one person. Yeah, no one was there tonight and we, we, we celebrate that win as a big win as if we'd be any team. So look... We're only we're we're back in this division the first time in, in how many years and you know the more points we can get the more we keep looking that way and let's just see where the season takes us. That's just professionalism, isn't it? Just don't care about the noise or the crowds. Just 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 react to what's on the pitch rather than worrying about oh, there's no one there. You know there's no one at the game. Yeah, no, look, look, I'm gonna reiterate what I said. We 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 don't really care. You know what I mean? Would would we like a packed talker? Sometimes to get behind us when we're in bad situations, of course. But there's no uh, better platform to go off at this place because you could give yourself many excuses coming here and we give ourselves none. We didn't let ourselves off the hook. Um, we came here 1 0 away from home. See you later, move on. Enjoy your trip home. Will do. So I must say, Johnny, the one thing about that interview is that, like, the well, audio. There were a lot of things about that interview. Well, the, like, the audio actually doesn't sound that bad, but. We've all had these moments, and I'm sure you've had these these moments yourself, where you're interviewing someone, and they're just not having it at all, really. Like <laughs> he was sort of looking at me after every question. I'm not sure he was mad about the idea of doing it. And every question I asked, like he, I could just see him looking, going, "Oh, stupid question, isn't it?" You know. But bad. you kept your composure fairly well, it has to be said. But it was just it was just more a sense of oh, I could really do without this, you know. I mean, it's just like, oh, you asked me about a younger player. I mean. Let's talk about all the players, you know. It's like, I mean, what more? What more? Like, and, and he's done some very good interview stuff recently, Gary Deegan, to be fair. But I think just in, he was maybe still in, 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 in beast mode. And he must have been the, the player that they wanted in that game, though, in fairness. Like, I was perfect. He was loving it. Like, he was actually, and you could just see he was going around after the game. Now, you are getting the one thing about going to games now, and, you, and it, again, I'm conscious you're not rubbing it in the face of people who can't go, but you almost feel like you want to bring them, bring some of the insight of being there to it was the the you really get a sense of the vocal characters within a team because yeah. you know the, the fans aren't there and just like Deegan throughout the game and Dan Byrne and, and Luke Byrne um and even the dynamic with the bench and so on that you could see Deegan after the game even just going round and uh congratulating everyone as though you have won my approval. Like you, you can't, we, we may not be able to share afterwards so I can turn it on extra cold. Yeah. Just so I can, I can really test you, but you have, you have passed my pain threshold test, but you do forget that you can, you can characterize Gary Deegan any way you want. And like, yeah, bit of a hard man figure, you know, the long beard, like the whole look, but Gary Deegan also like had a very, very good career in England. Absolutely. Like he, like he, he played a, a couple of hundred games at various levels in England and Scotland 
and like didn't do that without being a very good player. And the balance that they had with him, as he mentioned, and someone like Sean Quinn maybe running around a bit. Um, oh, you singled out good, in the interview. It was a, it was a good bat. I singled him out. Just, I got to look. I just got to look for that. And I was like, ugh. How much, like you know, those interviews where it's like I see them after the races sometimes. It's just like, how long is this going on for? Like at the end, it was three minutes, but it felt like I kept them for 30. And yeah. if, you know, it really hadn't, but uh, yeah. he'd done his job. But shells, so maybe now, you know, uh, shells were terrible. Now shells are grand. Pats are, are really grand. on the up. Pats are shells in are go, shells terrible. Are going to Sligo are now at the weekend, who are Sligo are now title contenders, you Faith. know. Yeah, Sligo are safe. So it's just it, all our narratives are going to be just turned asunder. Um, which what is, stands I, out for you this week, Johnny, from the games? Uh, well, I'll just run through the results quickly in both divisions yeah. and we get to the fixtures. Um, so it was Derry nil, Sligo 2, Dundalk 1, Pats 1, Shells nil, Watford 1, Sharmacro was 3, Finn Harps 1, great goal from Jack Byrne there, um, Cork nil, Bowes 1. Then on Monday, Pats what about the What about the sound effects in Cork, Johnny? Yeah, there was, there was a lady kind of roaring on City. Um, uh, so I guess I guess there's an element of the home crowd, whether it's a benefit to the home crowd. Nah, or... I, the only thing about that is I've absolutely no problem. By the way, sing, you can't single out some person who's supporting their team. Yeah. Was the only problem with the streaming service across the weekend is that that gantry in Cork is very exposed with the windows open, and that you know, if you're going to have your people there, you can't like they're bloody entitled to do what they want. It was just annoying. It was just annoying in the context of the footage. So maybe they're just going to have to move them away from it in Cork and mm. learn, live and learn, because it was the only. It was the only part of the viewing experience across the weekend. I was I had it on here with a couple of people who weren't interested. They were like, turn that off purely because of the the noise of the the bellowing. So yeah. that like has to be addressed. If you're trying to compare it to watching something on TV, it, it was just wasn't that was the one that just didn't have Fair. that feel. I I I'm, I have to say I am enjoying the stream, but yeah, I got you on that. Um, obviously then Finn Harps, uh, Pat's nil Derry two, Finn Harps nil Shells one. The first division is is a little bit um intriguing at the moment in terms of Cabin Teeley absolutely flying it and Galway United really struggling. Galway nil, Cabo two, UCD nil, Longford nil, Athlone one, Wexford three, Bray nil, Cove nil, Shamrock Rovers two, two, draw the head two, so two all. Shamrock Rovers the second. Shamrock Rovers the second, Davis Love the second, Sham- and then Galway United two, Athlone two, uh, and Longford nil, Bray two, which is a really significant result. Um, Galway, so Johnny, Johnny, like... Galway are the one are the only consistent team here. Consistent disappointment. It's already been said to me that uh, we're you know Galway United fans were already looking for Shamrock Rovers finishing the first five, so that there's an extra playoff spot. It's a little bit alarming after how many game, four games Galway United's games have been though against Shamrock Rovers away when they didn't have a great team out. Wexford at Lone and Cabo at home and haven't won any of them. Very worrying times. Uh, Cove away on Saturday. Wouldn't fancy that at all actually mm-hmm. in the current and the, and the, the Saudis let Newcastle down too. That's mm. the only thing. A bit of well, kinship with your theme of, uh, um, as, as that Manson song goes, you know, I will only disappoint you. I will always let you down. But um, this weekend, Dan, you're not at a game. I am. I'm in Daily Mount for uh, Bowes and Dundalk. Um, I have to say, I haven't, I haven't seen uh, either of these teams in Youngs. So obviously, looking forward to that. The other games are Patrick's against Finn Harps. Massive game for both clubs. These are all just, every game matters a lot. Walford, Cork City, local derby Saturday. Uh, I don't know if that's going to go ahead. Sligo Shells. Five o'clock, and then Derry Rovers, um, an absolute belter at Brandywell. Imagine the crowd that'll be at that. First division: UCD Shamrock Rovers two, uh, Wexford Cabin Teeley, Drogheda Bray, Cove Galway, as I mentioned, and also uh, Saturday the local derby um, on, of Longford and Athlone Town. 
But Dan, okay, I'm, I'm coming around to your, your kind of pronouncements. And if, if Rovers happen to beat Derry and Dundalk don't beat Bowes, that's a massive difference to Dundalk beating Bowes and Rovers not beating Derry. It is a big weekend. A big, no, it big, is. It is. like games that they can realistically not win. Yeah, like, like it's just, it's just, it is a significant weekend. And like Rovers will go to Derry on Sunday knowing what they need to do, you know. But at, at the same time, I know all the Rovers players will say, um, well, we're just concentrating on our own thing and taking it one game at a time. Mm. I mean, look, of course, between themselves, they're going to be looking at the results and being happy. But the thing about Rovers is that that's all they really need to do at the moment. Like, that's all they need to do is take every game, like, uh, you know, in isolation and put all their energy into that game. And if they do that, like, if they perform to their potential, like, they'll, they'll, they'll win most of the games, you know? And that's the thing. Like, it's, obviously, the Dundalk away game is the one where course like that's the most natural one where they're going to drop points but like just like you know they've got bows now to come to the talent in the next round of games you know i think it's just it's still it's not as for all that they've struggled against them but they did beat them in the league last year at home uh, yeah. eventually at the end so yeah. like big, they, they just have to be they just Man- have to keep their discipline big, big, you know? big friday night for danny mandroyu it is. Well, if he's if he's fit, yeah, because um, he's been he's been away, hasn't he? He's been up been up to a bit of banter on Twitter, I believe. Well, I don't think he's been away anywhere. I think he's been uh, uh, maybe away with the fairies, but uh, oh, okay. I'm not sure if he's actually been away in the Canaries, which is a slight difference. I like you know? I like I like that sound. I like that. This right. is a this is a really intriguing game to call because Bose uh, will come out of Cork happy enough. They didn't play great. They got the job done. Um, and, you know, this has been a difficult enough game for, for Dundalk as well, to be fair. Um, I'm really looking forward to it, I have to say. I, I, I find it hard to call. Two good games. We got, I mean, the Jerry Rovers game is obviously on air as well, mm. so you should mention that, that it's uh, like, like they, they, yeah, like, I, I feel like, the, you know, the, the, there has to be a response from Dundalk this week. Bowes, hard one, to, hard, hard one to figure out actually sort of how good Bowes were in Cork, really, because... You're, you're looking at, is it just a case that Cork are pretty poor at the moment? Mm. Um, like, you know, Bowes in recent years actually haven't had great luck at Turner's Cross. Um, and, uh, like, they have, I mean, they do have a significant squad, like, you know, in terms of depth, you know, and, you know, a few of them weren't involved. You mentioned Mandrew. Uh, James Talbot wasn't picked. Stephen McGuinness is in goals. Um, not from the PFI, which would be even more confusing for people. But mm. it's, 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 like... They do have options to mix it around, but you're, you're sort of like there, there was sections in the second half actually a one nil up where I didn't think Bowes were actually that impressive. You know that they they did they did what what had to be done to win the game, but you wouldn't yeah. say it was like a, a statement performance. Um, so like this will be a, a more I think this game will be more of a barometer of of where they're at. You know in terms of what what they can aspire to do because. I guess like Bowes might have looked at Derry, say, struggling. Like, but like Bowes this year, ultimately, they want to consolidate their place in Europe, give their fans a proper European trip after losing, but losing that this year. Um, and like you would have thought with Derry being so poor last week, and you know, question marks around paths that Bowes are very well primed to be a top three side again, or at the very least, top four side again this year. But you know, these, these are the games where they'll find out, like, you know, to what extent can they. You know, in an eighteen-game season, can they last the course? Uh, you know, a bit further. You know, like yeah. they, they've they've picked up a lot of points. I don't think for a second 
they'll be anywhere but like the top two will be anywhere else but the top two. But I guess there is a chance for someone to be a lot closer. And Bowes are the most likely team. They do have a ex- respectable return of points. So Absolutely. And in fairness, in a, in a smaller sample size, it gives a squeak to the other teams that, you know, maybe um, just maybe something will happen. But big, big game for Dundalk. Um, don't forget as well um, to, to tune in on Air Sport for what, what's going to be, regardless of what happens in Daily Mail, it's going to be a really, really pivotal game between Derry and Shamrock Rovers on Sunday. That's a five o'clock kickoff to Brandywell. Um, thanks again to our sponsors Lotto Land um, who've been really helpful uh, you can dream big for your Euro Millions and Irish Lotto betting you can also check out your top SSE or Tristy League and EU qualifier markets at lottoland.ie forward slash sportsbook and Dan madly enough there actually is cup action as well before we'll see you again yeah and EU qualifiers I mean, I mean there's also teams from outside the EU of course playing in the European games and so like yeah by the time we come back next week we will have uh, three teams out at a cup um, mm. presuming everything goes planned and we will also have the European draws uh, the first set of European draws to take place and like you know what they're talking about there at the moment uh, in terms of of you know teams potentially forfeiting ties if they get drawn against a country uh, at home to a country with a bad travel record so our government Crazy won't stuff. let them in it's, the, it's going to be a maze the European draws and, and we mentioned with David Millen briefly earlier that normally like last year, we did a big show about the European draws and speaking to people. Mm. This time round, you know, we might have to get like, we might have to get the the Latvian, uh, the Latvian Sam McConkey on or something to mm. analyse it. You know, so like it's it's sort of a it's a bizarre old thing um, that I, I wonder like to what extent we'll even be able to clear it up by next week. But uh, yeah, that that's that's coming around the agenda. It's, it's all go at the moment. Catch you next week. But there are limits.